NBA tonight, last dance for the NBA to have uh, something that resembles a competitive series. Uh, after tonight, uh, the drop-off would be significant. All that would be left would be the uh, guys who have to do it, and they'd just be counting the days. So this is the one where Cleveland has to make a stand and get their pride and credibility back. Ira's in Cleveland. He joins us now. Ira, welcome. How are you? I'm doing good, and like everyone says, it's this is it. This is critical mass tonight. If, if, the, if the Cavs don't make it 2-1, I think, Mike, there will be good ratings on Friday anyway, uh, Friday anyway just because I think the perfect postseason, I, it's almost Patriots-like, I think that will create interest of its own, but not as far as creating interest in the series itself. Remember, Cleveland lost games 1 and 2 by more points last year yep. than they did this year, but there was no Kevin Durant last year. Uh that being the case, do you sense any belief in the city? Before I get to the team, any belief at all in the city as far as Cleveland making a comeback? Oh, I mean, the one thing about Cleveland, I mean, they have, I don't want to say drunk the Kool-Aid, that's probably overstating it, but it, it, it's, it's been a town that ever since LeBron came back, they believe there's possibilities. And, and then they saw their Indians get to the World Series. So it's, it's the former hopeless city of the Indians and the Browns and the Cavaliers has become a city with far more faith than it ever had. In LeBron, they trust. We all expect it. He's averaging a triple-double anyway. To me, Mike, it comes down to this. LeBron and Kyrie have to be better for at least one game than Durant and Curry. Are they capable? Yes. Are they more capable at home? Probably. That's what tonight's all well, about. Let's be honest. Uh, the last year, the guys who stepped up, and we uh, listen, LeBron's numbers have been actually better this series. The, the bottom line is he hasn't played in the fourth quarters. That's the only reason his numbers aren't the same as normal. He's taken the fourth quarters off. I mean, he's shot 60% in game two. The point is, where is Irving? who's killing him on the defensive end, where is Tristan Thompson, and can you count and get anything out of J.R. Smith? Well, I think the matchups are hurting Tristan Thompson. I think he's just not positioned like he was in previous series when there were more big men to guards. You have that. Where's J.R. Smith? Mike, you know the answer. You followed him in yep. up in New York. J.R. can be everything or can be nothing, and rarely is anything in between. So we're seeing the other side. That's why there was so much speculation that Iman Shumpert might start, give you a little more defense. That made sense to me. But you know what? I understand what Ty Lue is doing. He, he knows without the three-pointers, without the three-point shooting of J.R. Smith, they're probably sunk anyway. So he might as well ride it, even if it means riding it into the ground. Where's Kyrie? Kyrie gives you one game a series. You know that. He gave you 42 in that one performance against the Celtics. The thing is, he can't wait anymore. It can't be in game five or six of this series because there won't be a game five or six. So I think tonight it's just as important for LeBron to defer early to Kyrie and to get Kyrie going because we know he's the kind of scorer once he gets on a roll. One, it'll make Steph Curry or the defenders of the Warriors or Klay Thompson have to work that much harder. That'll set it up. So I think not only do the Cavs have to score early, Mike, but keep an eye on how they score. I think they have to feature other players to get the Warriors more than this single-minded concentration on LeBron. Can, do you think, uh, well, uh, do you think it is to the point, are we still at the point as far as, and you know this, you've been as close to him as any media guy as far as being around him as all these years. The fact that LeBron has heard the last two days that Duran is now creeping up to his level, is that, is, are we past the days of that being something that would annoy him, or is that still going to fuel him? Yeah, I think 
fuel is the right word, because LeBron wants that. That's what he feeds on. The, the Jordan stuff is silly, but always came at him. The Magic Johnson's more realistic. Pat Riley the other day saying Magic Johnson right. was better. You know, it, it, LeBron lives for that kind of stuff because he's surrounded by people who boost him anyway. He knows what he's done. Seven straight NBA Finals. I mean, outside of a Bill Russell, we were talking unprecedented right now. So he's totally confident with his own, within his own skin. I think, Mike, the issue is this, and it's fascinating. Who started the real modern era of big threes of signing on together? It really wasn't the Celtics because the Ray Allen was a trade, Kevin Garnett. It was LeBron. Yep. And now he saw someone outmaneuver him. It's almost like a military general. LeBron was trying to position his team for the big move, and all of a sudden Durant went that way. Imagine if Durant went to Cleveland. They didn't have the cap space, but imagine if that swung things. I think that LeBron James, who always got what he wanted, if this series goes the way it looks, you know what? I don't know how, but he's going to go to David Griffin if he stays at GM, and he's going to say, get me one more, because it's not about big threes anymore. It's about big four. LeBron basically is sitting at a poker table. He has three kings. He was feeling really good, and all of a sudden the Warriors flop four aces. That's the story of this series. Will he, let's say the series ends in five games, uh, and he realizes, man, you know, we look at that firepower. What realistically it, does Cleveland have a move that is anything that can close the gap, or are they going to have to live with the gap for a couple of years? I think Cleveland will always have moves because even this season, I know Darren Williams was there on the cheap, and then they got Kyle Korver in a move that surprised a lot of people. But look what the Cavs did this year. People forget this. They had Chris Birdman Anderson at the start of the season, then he tore his Achilles. Then they went for Andrew Bogut. He played one game against the Heat. He was injured. He was done. He could make a difference in a series like this. They tried out Larry Sanders. The one thing the Cavs have showed The way they've cycled through players this year, they're always one move away from doing something more. You know what I think it's going to be like, Mike? I think it's going to be the Ray Allen-like move that Pat Riley made, even after one title when he got him basically at exception money. I think LeBron is going to to play all his chips with his friends and say, which one of you guys, maybe Dwayne Wade, who knows? I'm not saying that's the answer, but I think LeBron, with the sway he has, players have always wanted to play with him. I think he realizes right now he needs a plus one. He needs one more guy. He's gotten that so far. I have no doubt not to believe that would happen again. All right. How motivated is Golden State for this perfection thing? Is it a big deal or they just want their championship and they don't really care or is this is this a big motivating factor? No, they have even when they went for the all-time wins record last year without Kevin Durant and then the Ed Durant. This is what they're, they're all about, this team. If Clay Thompson's going to subordinate and subjugate his game to be a fourth option. If Draymond Green's going to have to stay in control for an entire finals, they're doing it for history, for posterity. So, yeah, I think it matters everything. I think everyone is saying, well, if the Warriors win tonight, the TV ratings that have been so good will be down. I don't think so, Mike. I think it's like when the Patriots went to the Super Bowl undefeated. People want to be a part of history. They want to see that. You had the Moses faux, faux, faux. Well, add another faux to that is 16-0 in the Western Conference. This isn't Cleveland playing in the minor leagues and getting to the finals every year. I think this would make them, in the debate, which the players enjoy, one of the greatest teams. And remember... You have Steph Curry's going to be a free agent. Uh, Kevin Durant, again, most likely opts into free agency. The Warriors, if they're going to pay a payroll and luxury tax in the next few years, over a billion dollars, I think they want to be an historical team as well. And uh, obviously they would be one in, in a couple of uh, wins. We're talking with Ira. All right. Um, 
that aside, uh, will will Lou pay any price? Now, I, I I don't like some of the things he's done this series, but they have been overmatched. But is Lou will Lou pay a price if they get swept in this series, or not really? You know, it's interesting. I'm not not right after this series, but we saw this season and midseason the Cavs struggled a little. It proved to be nothing. They were the number two seed. They still went, you know, breeze right through the Eastern Conference. But you know what? I think a loss in a series like this will put him in David Blatt territory because there is only one goal and one answer for this franchise and it's to win championships. And LeBron's meter is ticking. He's yes. getting older. He is getting not older. even chronologically, yes. but so many games he came in early. So you know what? Maybe they need a boost. Maybe they need that jump start. Maybe it's a Mark Jackson just to make LeBron feel better about himself. Not after this series. Look, they got to the finals. They went 12-1 and in the East. But I think at the first blip, just like David Black was fired after getting to the finals with the Eastern Conference's one of the best records, I think Ty Lue will be under that sort of strain because I think all of a sudden it's championship robust and LeBron realizes it. I think the front office, though, will be under even more pressure. Alright, let's get to the draft for a minute, Ira. Uh, sure. You were... Uh... You were uh, prophetic last week, it, right after you talked on the show about the Lakers maybe balking. It really started to be. It became kind of a big story that there was a good chance that he might not be taken second. I mean, that has come up in a lot of places now. That that has become, and that the the whole baggage with him has become a bigger issue than people thought it would be. Where are we right now as far as Ball and all that stuff? Well, actually, your timing is perfect. Lonzo Ball just finished his workout with the Lakers, close to the media. But then he met with a media horde probably on par with Laker playoff games. And I think that's the untold story here. Look, we know Magic Johnson's trying to rebuild a team, trying to build a winner. He says he's all about basketball. But we know Magic. He's always been about more than the game. I think there's going to be a pressure on the Lakers, even with the Aaron Fox coming in next week, to maybe lean toward Lonzo because after a day like today, and you'll see this on all the sports highlights later, Lonzo Ball spoke for nine minutes today. He charmed the crowd. There was none of his father around. He showed his true personality. I think this puts the Lakers in a really tough spot. The last thing you want in the draft is two weeks before for Sorter to be forced into a corner and pigeonholed a little. Lonzo Ball's a good player. I just think, like I said last week, De'Aaron Fox is a pace changer in today's quickness NBA and I think might be a better fit for the other guards with the Lakers. But I think the Lakers really might find themselves forced into a hole because of the reaction today. It has been wall-to-wall Lonzo Ball, UCLA over to L.A. He said in his press conference, of course I want to stay home and play here. I think Magic Johnson is going to have to decide, is he Magic the showman or is he Magic the basketball administrator? He saw his friend Pat Riley make the ultimate mistake 10 years ago, drafted Michael Beasley after Derrick Rose went. He let Westbrook on the board. He left Kevin Love on the board. He didn't draft necessarily for basketball reasons. He drafted for sort of the popular choice. I think that's where Magic is right now. All right. uh, Where are the Celtics right now? I think the Celtics are totally sold on Markel Fultz because I think this series against the Cavs showed them that right now, even a Jimmy Butler trade, Jimmy Butler just changed agents, that got interesting, probably isn't enough for them. So as much as they have, remember, they also have, which is ridiculous, the Nets' first-round pick again next year. So, you know, you're talking about do you trade, Mar- do you trade the pick for a player right now? I think their best 
best answer is to take Fultz, see what he is. You always have the trading deadline next year to put that first-round pick next year into play, see what your young players do. And you don't want, to be honest, Mike, get a read on how much you really have to pay Isaiah Thomas. Flash in the pan, one- or two-year guy or a guy he could rely. I think Danny Ainge pulls back just a little bit and says, you know what, my move's not going to be at the draft. My move is going to be at the trading deadline. Do you think, is there anything to these Nick trade talks? Yeah, I think the Knicks are, are, are going to be interested in moving up. I think it makes sense. The Carmelo thing is still hanging in the background. I don't know what Would they trade pieces. Porzingis? I can't. He's the team. I don't understand this. If Phil Jackson says that Carmelo Anthony is not a winning, you know, all the BS, I won't even get into it. And obviously then he's putting everything behind Porzingis for the future. Mike, maybe I'm missing something. But if you don't have Porzingis and you don't have faith in, in Carmelo Anthony, what do you have? Let's say you move up and you get, I, I'd say they'd move into the range of maybe a Jason Tatum, someone like that, or, or, or a player you a little this more of an athletic rumor about player. Porzingis for the three and the uh, Simmons in the three? You know, again, if, if I'm the Sixers, I would think about it because they don't know about Simmons right now. Although, i got to be honest with you, I think Josh Jackson right there is the perfect fit for Philadelphia. I think what Brian Colangelo is doing is he's throwing, da- throwing out all kinds of choices. Now, if you're saying Porzingis and number eight, where Philly can still wind up with a quality pick there, that might be possible. But, Mike, why does that make the Knicks? Except that, I mean, that's one thing I don't understand. The one thing about Pat Riley down here as an older GM president was, you knew you were living in the moment. Mike, you're as close to this as anyone. Do you think Phil Jackson wants to build a team for five years down the road? No, I don't. I think he wants to see something before he gets out of here, no question. That's why I don't believe the Porzingis stuff, but it's out there. You know it's out there. I just wondered if he would think of, I do know that they covet Fox. I do know that. I've heard that. I trust that. And I, I agree with them about that, too. I, 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 I covet Fox. And I don't think he's going to be gettable unless you got the third or the fourth pick at the worst. I say, I say three pick because right. if, you're, if you're moving up, people will know who you're moving up for, so they'll try to preempt you. So you're right. absolutely right. The thing is, when you talk about moves that Phil Jackson has made that have been successes, so let me get this straight. His greatest success story, whether whether Porzingis fell into his lap or not, that's another story. But he's going to trade away his greatest success story. Matter of fact, I'll ask you. The the, the Anthony trade obviously done in advance. What else can you put in in Phil's plus column if not for the Porzingis Porzingis, that's it. And I agree. And I don't want want to trade him. I'd love to be able to get Fox. I just don't think it's obtainable. I think, you know... um, um, you know, they could wind up with a uh, point guard like Smith. They could wind up with Monk if he ever slips to eight. I mean, I, I, I think that's the best scenario they could be looking at right now. Yeah, I think Monk or Smith probably are enough of an opportunity at eight that you could stay there and do the nice slow build and still be two or three years away and take, instead of taking another step back. Look, this is not a next-year team. This is not a two-year team anyway. It's a matter of how many years do you want to wait, but – I, I, the one thing about the Knicks has always been a face of the franchise, and you have to have that, except for the darkest, leanest years. And if you keep downplaying Carmelo Anthony the way they have, I just don't know if you can have on the marquee in front of the garden, come see Malik Monk play tonight. I don't know if that's enough for New York right now. So I, I, I just think you hold Porzingis, you hold a number eight. This draft, I guarantee, guarantee you, you will get a contributing player, whether it's Jason Tatum, Dennis Smith, Malik Monk, maybe Jonathan Isaac falls down there, you're going to get someone at number eight who you can say has a good chance
chance to be a quality NBA player in two or three years. I think you've got to finally show patience. All right, Ira, thanks very much. Enjoy the game tonight. Catch you next week. Hope this right. up. Thanks, Absolutely. Buddy. Ira Windeman.